Yo, yo, this is Sid Shaw, and we are back with another hot, hot episode of Chasing the White Rabbit. Chasing, chasing, and the White Rabbit. Chasing, chasing, and the White Rabbit. Chasing, chasing, and the White Rabbit. Well, we're back in 2021. Um, I took a little break last year, uh, probably around September, October, because I was trying to figure out what we were trying to do with this podcast. Um, you know, there's so much great content out there. And I personally wasn't even finding time to listen to it all. So I wanted to do something where I thought was a little bit different. Um, you know, something that still interested me and, you know, where I brought interesting perspectives out. And so this year, what I'm going to do is instead of doing one every week, I'm going to do one every month. And I'm going to try to find a friend or somebody that I know that has a really interesting and different perspective um, on business. And so, you know... This month, I have a really good friend of mine, Casey Lau. He's the co-host of the Rise Conference, which is probably one of the top tech startup conferences in Asia, part of the Web Summit family. He's kind of a legend in Asia. Um, he, he founded the largest startup community in Asia, the first e-commerce platform in Asia, the first blog network in Asia. He's got a bunch of podcasts. Um, and so I really wanted to bring him aboard to hear his perspective on conferences, how they're going to change, you know, talk about the business model, talk about um, new competition like Clubhouse and podcasts in general, um, and how he thinks uh, that industry is going to evolve in the next year or two um, as things start getting back to normal. So anyways, enjoy. I, I really enjoyed this talk for my first one, 21. All right, bang bang. Got my good buddy Casey Lau on the podcast today. How you doing today, Casey? Great, Sid. Thanks for having me. No, really happy to have you. And um, you know, you and I have been talking about doing this for for a while now and you've been all over the world and and you're you you kind of been shifting a lot um, and so I wanted to really kind of get you on and, and explore a few of the, the things that you spend your time on. Um, you're, you're one of the experts in the, you know, kind of the conference business. And, um, I don't think a lot of people really understand how big and, and nuanced the conference business is. Can you just spend a few minutes and give us a lay of the land of like the conference business model? Like, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll poke deeper as you get into it, but I'd love to just get a perspective of, of what, what that actually means and how people generate money and how do they focus on specific niches and how do you market yourself and et cetera. Right. Well, I guess it d depends on the size of the conference, obviously. I think the ones that are more internationally well-known, like South by Southwest, like Web Summit, uh, TechCrunch, Disrupt, these kind of things, they all have different agendas um, for why they're putting on these conferences. But what I see basically is uh, it is a gathering point. So it's bringing like-minded people together. You have a list of speakers that attract those like-minded individuals. And then it also attracts the uh, uh, corporate sponsors to come and be part of it to be thought leaders in the process. So you have three different angles that are coming in and converging together into one, you know, one day, two day, three day, one week kind of event. And uh, I think it is really a pillar of our civilization, right? So now that we're not doing so many in-person uh, in events, it does feel like uh, a little bit alienating, right? People are like, oh, I can do Zoom, I can do phone calls. And like, yeah, you can, but 
you know, when you go to Disneyland, right, it's like I can play video games, but Disneyland is like a, you know, full on sensory overload of, of excitement and gets you in the mood and you see other people. It's like the, the cinema as well, right? There's so many things that you can just compare it to that you need to have it. But the conference business is definitely uh, more business oriented, of course, right? It's about uh, doing business, having people meet that may not be able to meet, meeting across the world, um, experiencing a new culture, seeing new products, new services. Um, and then, of course, those random encounters. That's one of the specialties that we have at Web Summit, Rise and Collision, is that kind of, uh, they call it engineered synchronicity, right? There's a lot of events that we put on that are using data science to, to push people together, the right people together, so that it seems like it was just a chance encounter, but it was hopefully driven a little bit by uh, data. Yeah, I remember when I uh, spoke at the... Um the Rise Conference in HK a couple of years ago, um, the way that you put me together with other speakers felt very natural. And it was, I was very excited about that part of it. Um, so it, it sounds, it, it feels like that part works pretty well if you can get the schedules to all work out. Um, you, you know, the other thing that I always see happening is like when, when a specific, let's say, like entrepreneur or industry leader or um, incumbent in a specific industry, when they get to a certain level, they throw a conference, right? I hear like, you know, venture capitalists start throwing conferences. You mentioned TechCrunch throw conferences, right? It feels like they do that because they make a lot of money doing it as well, right? I mean, it feels like it pays their bills so that they can focus on the thing that they want to, but like conferences feel like a good revenue generator for them. Is that how they think about it? I think that, well, for, I can't speak for TechCrunch, obviously, I don't know their business model, but definitely it is a revenue generator. But also for TechCrunch, probably more specifically, if you've ever been to a conference, they are a news site, right? So they generate news from their center stage. That's another main point, right? Whatever, whoever they invite are going to announce something big that will then immediately be on TechCrunch.com, right? So it serves double purposes, um, for that. Some, some South by Southwest, you know, it's a, it's like a festival, right? So it's introducing new musical acts and then ones that you love already. They're, they're together. They're, they're networking as well. I think it serves multiple purposes. Um, and there's different, but yeah, of course, I'm not going to do it just for fun, but it definitely the, uh, there's a, there's a revenue component to the whole thing. But, uh, and also I feel like it's also a thought leadership thing, right? Being in the middle of this and curating the speakers. Maybe the the booths, the startups, you know, even at some point, some smaller conferences curate the attendees. Even um, this is all part of the you know being in the center of like having a mass party, I guess, right? You want to be the person that's picking the right people and then bringing the right people together. I think that's a that's well, that's how I see it. Yeah, I, I like that perspective, and I agree. I mean, I think the the smaller curated ones are they try to be very focused and high impact. The larger ones are a little bit more like a, a, a marketing channel uh, for you know a, another reason. Um, you mentioned uh, the revenue generator. Are, are the two ways that conferences make money pretty much just um, attendee tickets and, and sponsorships, or are there other types of revenue models? There are, those are the main ones, but I believe there's also like intricacies in those two plays as well, right? So um, it goes, it can go, it, you can be as creative as you want. It's really about understanding, um, you know, what, what a sponsor might want to get out of it. You know, just having a booth with your brand name on it, uh, you know, I think that's gone, right? Especially in the tech world, I feel like people know that's a little bit more than that. Even when I go to South By, right, Yahoo uh, doesn't have a booth 
you know, saying we are a search engine or we have advertising services, they rent like a restaurant and have a Yahoo bar, right? And they, they want to come, they want to be more, you know, friendly with their potential customers. And so I feel like that's what a lot of, um, sponsors at our conferences do as well, right? They're doing, um, more like training, you know, that's one of the big things is companies like AWS come to our conferences and host these amazing mini conferences inside our conference for developers, right? They're, and they're always super well attended and packed. And because of the client, you know, the attendees that we have, they're all looking for this information as well. So there's, you know, it's different kinds of ways of how to uh, make that work financially. Yeah. Uh, so how, how did you personally go down the rabbit hole of conferences. It's not like you, you, you know, you're a kid or you go to college and you're like, I want to get in the conference business. You don't even really know what that is. So how did you fall into this? And you know, how did you decide to go all in on this? I mean, you're, you're clearly one of the, one of the top people, I think, um, you know, in the space. And so would love to hear that story. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You don't, you don't study for this. You don't, you're not, I think you're just the person that likes to get people together. Actually, that's just it. Like maybe, cause I can just remember when I was a kid, I would like, uh, try to put on like, not, not events, but like get all the kids in this neighborhood together to play like star Wars or whatever. Like I always remember getting my bike riding around the neighborhood doing that. And I'm thinking, wow, that's so crazy when I think about it. Cause when I, this question has been asked me before, and that's the kind of memory I, I think of originally when I was a kid, but basically, um, you know, in Hong Kong, that this is like 10 years ago already, um, you know, we had a startup community and uh, the number one thing the community wanted was more exposure. And so we're thinking, well, we can go to the media and try and get them to do stories on startups that are in Hong Kong. And of course, they don't know what that is or what, why they should report about it back then. So we thought we just do, you know, take it into our own hands and start our own conference Right. Because we've seen other conferences, the, uh, you know, the Trade Development Council would put on conferences and, you know, other places would put on conferences. But they were very, you know, a little bit more like, oh, there's a speaker and then you kind of listen and then you leave. Like a, like a lecture, right? Like a school lecture. So we thought we'd just put on something a bit more casual and just have people come together. And, um, you know, it's not nothing original. Just you've been to other conferences like this, right? More like, um, uh, um, Bar camp, you know, that one, that kind of unconference, you know, that was a, a good inspiration as well. Um, and so just from there, it just started growing, right? There was a demand for startup education, startup talks, you know, learning how to do startups, learning how to, uh, I was just very lucky, you know, think about it. I could have been, I could have done a conference on, uh, I don't know, mining or something like that may not have been as popular in Hong Kong. <laughs> it's like maybe in some other more mining, mining country. Right. But, uh, startups just happened to be something that was popular and, and Microsoft, was uh was very happy to be part of it and bought everybody lunch and the uh the cyberport in hong kong gave us the space so like a lot of people came together to help us and that just, just kind of grew organically from that it was a huge success we were expecting uh you know maybe 100 people to show up 500 people showed up um we didn't you know facebook and and twitter were in our infancy you know we didn't have all these ways to connect with people but it was just a demand and a word of mouth that kind of started off. And then, and then, you know, Rise is not my company, right? Rise is owned by Web Summit, which is, um, you know, the CEO and co-founder, Patty Cosgrave. He had already picked Hong Kong as the location for Rise. And I met him at a dinner when they came out to do a tour and uh, we hit it off and he asked me to be the co-host of the event. And uh, of course, I was like, this is the next level kind of thing, right? Because I don't know, you know, building that conference in Hong Kong, I never would have thought, oh, we can get people from like Silicon Valley just to fly out by themselves to be at our conference. But he did, right? He was already thinking on those lines. He got crazy uh, famous um, entrepreneurs to go to Dublin uh, for Web Summit. At the I remember that. Stages, yeah. right? 
Yep. He even got like Bono uh, from U2 I to remember. come out. Yeah. That was big news. Yeah. It's just huge, huge how he was able to do it. So he, his mind is thinking already in like the next stage. Whereas even though I'm from Canada living in Hong Kong, you know, I didn't, I didn't think that people would do that. Right? So, so working with Patty and then seeing the, the professionalism and, and how amazing the, the conference was, I still remember that first uh, night he took me for the walk around of the, uh, at the convention center to see what rise looked like before, uh, you know, for the last walkthrough before we opened the doors. And it was just, I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Right. Cause we were like, you know, pull up banners, you know, look, you know, that kind of community center vibe, that was the kind of grassroots thing we did. And of course every community has that. And it's great that they do it, but having this kind of international face in Hong Kong, it felt like, wow, you know, Hong Kong has really, you know, shot up the, the, the line there in terms of uh, where we are on the startup map, right. Just from this one conference. Casey, you mentioned uh, when you were first starting, Microsoft sponsored your your meal or your lunch. How did, how did you even get access to Microsoft? Well, Microsoft went in Hong Kong. They were very active, though. They were always doing um, events, you know, developer events. They were very supportive, right? I think in in Ireland, um, Patty was got KPMG to be very supportive of what he was doing at the very beginning, right? Which is not even a tech company. So I feel like there's these corporates that are, that are out there that are, you know, they raise their hand, they're visible, and they want to be part of the conversation. And that's how we got Microsoft in there. It was great. They probably didn't know what it was. They're like, well, it's a lunch and we'll have our logo up. And then, you know, we've did our job and they came and spoke at a couple of the panels, which is great. Right. It gives a little bit of um, uh, validation that we we were not just a bunch of kids on stage. Right. How how do you now with, with the conference industry, just so massive and the focus on startups and venture and, you know, it feels like there's a conference every week on that, or there was at least uh, up until a year ago. How do you break through the clutter? And you've done a great job of doing that with the rise, um, with the rise brand. How do you, what's your, what's your strategy there? Um, I just think it's about just, you know, make maintaining a high level of quality, to be honest. Right. I mean, it's obviously, it sounds like you think that I'm doing this by myself, right? There's 250 people in uh, Dublin and in uh, Lisbon and Toronto and Hong Kong that are helping to put these things on. And they, uh, I guess they don't like the limelight as much as I do. So I'm always up in front, but uh, it's really an amazing effort by a team and they're all dedicated in doing, you know, specific things, right? So there's like a speaker's team, there's an investor relation team, right? We are very, very uh, siloed in that so that they can work and get the best of the best. And I think that uh, one of the best things I think it's like uh, every conference is like a reiteration of the last one, right? It was never like, oh, this is great. Let's just sit on this and just do it again. It's like, what what can we make better? How do we make it better? Um, I think that's the challenge of it, right? And Patty is a really great uh, leader, I think, in, in making sure that people are always thinking about, you know, what's the next step? How do we make this more engaging? You know, there's so many surveys sent out to speakers and attendees after they must be like, I thought this thing was over, you know, three months ago. Why are you still asking me about it? We're like, we need to know more about what you thought about this specific point of the, did you like the food? Did you like the coffee? I'm like, you know, cause to me personally, I would be like, this is, you know, you got some coffee, you got some food, <laughs> but the, the team, the, the company's vision is very, very, um, about beating it every time. So I find that to be a good, that's also inspiring to me going, yeah, you're right. The coffee better be better next time. Your, your, your competition now isn't just conferences, it's podcasts, it's clubhouse, it's all of these different, uh, tools and communities that have popped up, um, and, and taken, you know, a lot of speed. How do you think about how the conference experience will change 
considering how technology and COVID has, has changed the environment so much over the last year? That's a great question, Sid. And that's one that we are looking at every single day, right? I think that is a big uh, unknown into the future. But personally, you know, I've been using a lot. Of, obviously, you know, I do a lot of podcasts myself. I'm very active on Clubhouse. I use, I'm using all the different tools and seeing what people are doing online this past year. And I feel like it's only creating more connections right now, right? There are more people that can't wait to meet each other in real life, right? Like we do a lot of podcasts and do a lot of conversations. It's great to network with people, get to know them. But, you know, it's like, for instance, there's the thing called the San Diego Comic-Con, which is like one of the biggest, if not the biggest comic and pop culture convention, you know, public public convention in the world. And it's in, held in San Diego every year. Um, and it brings in like all the Hollywood, uh, Marvel Universe uh, actors, as well as the comic book people to come and kind of promote what they're working on. And it's like a show where people talk to each other because it's a because it's kind of a geeky culture. These people are talking to each other all year round on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And once a year, they all convene together and uh, you know blow their whole year's holiday budget to go to this thing because it's super expensive now because everybody wants to go and there's a lot of like uh, you know souvenirs and, and collectibles to buy. So there's a lot of money being spent there, but that's like the thing, right? They do that all year, they go back. And that's how I really see what we're doing now, right? Even though technology is making it easier for people to, to meet and connect, um, especially, you know, one of the things that we do is connect uh, startups to investors. And now it's almost just a Zoom call away. But, you know, as soon as people start to be able to travel again, it'll kind of be, a, I, I still think a hybrid thing, right? 50% of the time, maybe you'll do Mondays and Fridays at home doing Zoom calls. And then the three days in the middle, you'll be out in an office meeting people face to face, right? Um, that, that's, that's how I think it'll be. I think people are dying to get back to, to see each other again. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, they they really are. are. Whatever. Right. So that's why I don't think it's going to really hurt too much. I feel like everything is just kind of in hibernation mode right now. And uh, just, everybody's just waiting to, to go back to, to, to normal. So I feel like the conference business will be probably even bigger than uh, before. And as you probably heard, right, we've, we're doing two uh, conferences in Asia now. So we split into South uh, East Asia and one in North Asia. So one's going to be in Kuala Lumpur and one's going to be in Tokyo, Japan. And uh, I think it's, they're going to be even bigger than uh, Rise in Hong Kong was. Yeah, I think I, I love how you split that up. I mean, Rise Hong Kong was massive. And, um, you know, I, I, I think you and I talked about this, but I spent about two or three years in, in KL and and I love that place. I mean, there's so much excitement. And, you know, what I realized about a lot of these places is there's so much excitement, you know, they're skipping the computer and they're going straight to mobile. And, um, you know, what they really just need is access and mentorship, right? And And once they have just a little bit, you know, the they're going to take, they're going to take uh, the world by storm. Um, so I think you pick some great locations. I feel like a lot of the interest, like for in Hong Kong, the most of the interest was pointed at China, uh, which is great. And there's a lot of stuff there. Um, but Southeast Asia kind of got a, a, not really brushed aside, but just the focus wasn't as strong there. And I feel like Southeast Asia is a massive, massive opportunity. You know, Indonesia alone is like the size of the U S in terms of population, right? And uh, there's a lot of opportunities there that the Chinese uh, VCs are getting into now. So I feel like just putting a spotlight down there, and that's why I feel it's exciting um, that uh, Malaysia, you know, raised their hands and said, we really want to host this conference. We think that, um, you know, KL will be the digital hub of, of that region. And uh, that's the thing. And then same with Japan, right? Japan, I know you've been there, I've been there over many, I've been there almost every 
other month for over the last 10 years. And I feel like they're a little bit uh, lagging in terms of just the international acceptance of startups there, right? They're very risk adverse. But now they're like, we're, we're going, we're doubling down, tripling down on the Olympics, which is uh, crazy, right? Hopefully it still goes through this year. Um, but that's like the beginning. Like, I believe that we're just one of many conferences, international conferences that are going to come to Japan as Japan starts to open up and bring in more foreign, um, you know, entrepreneurs and ideas into their culture because, you know, there's all kinds of things going on there that they need to be more a part of the world. So just two questions as we, as we wrap up. Um, the, the one question I have is, is really for my own knowledge, you have your ear to the street when it comes to tech, you know, where's your focus today? Anything exciting you that you're investing in or spending a lot of time learning about? Um, well, I have a podcast called Sandwich Society, which is not about food. It's about uh, the future of digital entertainment. So I personally am very interested in that space. So it's like anything from podcasting or audio entertainment. I did a podcast with Serial Box. I don't know if you've heard of this company. It's quite interesting. They're basically making comic books, but they're audio versions of them. So they're like, oh, interesting. Uh, they've got actors, they've got a writer's room, they've got famous writers leading showrunners of these things. It's pretty interesting. And then there's other things like uh, synthetic human actors. I'm interviewing, I interviewed some the founders of these companies. Of course, video games are huge. So this is the, the space that I'm looking at, VR all this next gen entertainment stuff, because um, I'll never forget one of the investors at Rise uh, came in and we had dinner. And, uh, you know, of course, the question comes in, like, what are you what are you investing in? What's the future? And he said, um, anything that's for lazy people. <laughs> so this is a few <laughs> like years ago. That. And he was like, you know, you know, DoorDash, you know, all the companies that, um, that are super popular now are like exactly the hit bets that he was doing. So he's like investing in streaming video sites, streaming technologies, anything to do with staying at home and, uh, you know, having things delivered to you or brought to you in your home. And wow, what a, what an insight. This is like two years ago, right? So, uh, I, I love that. that. So I always think about that in my, in the back of my head. Yeah. I love that investment thesis. Um, that's so interesting. It's such a simple way of framing it. Uh, what's a, what's a book that you've read recently or something that you give to people that, that, um, kind of has instilled a few uh, ideas that help guide some of the way that you operate? Well, I haven't, I try, I've read so many of those kind of startup books now that I kind of don't read them anymore. But one book I read this summer, this past summer, I thought was quite interesting. Was It's called Empire of Imagination. It's the story of Gary Gygax, the guy who created Dungeons and Dragons. I read, uh, I was reading all these kind of uh, history books on pop culture last summer, like on video games from the 80s and things like that. Like that's another great one. Console Wars is another great book, but Empire of Imagination, uh, basically, yeah, it's the story of the guy who created Dungeons and Dragons. And, and basically it's like, it sounds like a startup story from today, like a bad startup story, right? He created it. He brought in some other, um, partners. They took it away from him. They kicked him out to LA to start up a whole entertainment side of it. And he got into all kinds of crazy story. It's just an amazing story to listen to. And if you're a fan of, you know, but Dungeons and Dragons is such a huge brand, right? It's owned by Hasbro now, but it was like uh, the story that it got from the, the mid eighties of being a mail away, like kind of photocopied kind of book to where it is today. It's just an incredible story. So I like to look at that because when you look back, right, you can see those brands and how they, how they grew and how they come attached and how they create a community around the product. So I guess that's what I'm interested in. So you can say it as a, it's a nerdy interest, but it's also like, you know, how do people glom onto something 
so, and then how did this guy start it? They became so popular because, you know, back then they only had mail and, and photocopying machines to, to, to do this. So it's quite, quite interesting. Yeah. I, I like that. I mean, I, I love those books that are true stories that read like fictions, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Like that Bitcoin billionaires, social network. I mean, they're, they're, they're amazing reads. Um, Casey, how do, um, how do people find you? How do people get a hold of you? Where, where, where do you live on the interweb? Um, the best one is Twitter. Um, I'm at Casey underscore Lau. My DMs are open and I, I tweet there all the time. And uh, yeah, that's the best way to find me. And, and tell us, uh, and what are the names of your podcasts? Okay, so I have uh, Sandwich Society, which is the digital entertainment one. You can find that. I do, okay, this is crazy, right? There's like three of them. I do Rise Offstage, which is I'm interviewing uh, startups, investors, ecosystem leaders that are in Asia and just catching up with them and finding out how they're dealing with COVID and what their plans are going forward. I've done uh, interviews with people in Malaysia, Hong Kong, Thailand, Japan. So it's, it's quite good. It's all the, it's all the p- people that, so if you need a snapshot of what's happening in Asia, this is great before you come to rise. That's kind of the, the purpose of it. And then I do a, a one called the hyper room, which is uh, interviewing uh, people who uh, created pop culture. So there's comic book artists, writers, action figure makers, video game designers, people like that, that kind of designed and built a lot of the pop culture from like the late 90s, the 2000s and upwards. Sounds interesting. Uh, Casey, thank you so much for giving me uh, some time today. Really, uh, it was just great to connect and hear your perspective on on the things we talked about. Great. Thanks, Sid. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. Uh, we are everywhere on on social media, white rabbit underscore pod. You also find us on Apple and Spotify. Um, please hit us up, leave us comments, tell us what you want to hear, tell us what you like, what you didn't like, give us five stars, and we'll see you next month. <laughs>